On episode 239, we have some specific news to share about the future of the show. Rob the Tune Man has sent us drawings of our Jeeps, and we play a little Amazon You Bought What. We have a touching review and some great voicemails to share. We'll answer your questions live on the air, and Nikki G calls in to give us a hard time. We're talking about the differences between 3.6 and 3.8 liter Pentastar engines. Tammy's talking tire wear, Tony's talking disconnects, and I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about the tire pressure on your rig. All coming up on this week's Jeep Talk Show. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler, Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. First week in G. Oh, we've got some great news to share with you guys. The Jeep Talk Show has been released since 2011. In that time, we have seen our most rapid increase in listeners in the last three years. We are proud to announce that according to Libsyn, the largest podcast distributor in the world, that our humble little Jeep Talk Show is in the top 20% of all of their podcasts. Myself, That's right. No, definitely cause for celebration, guys. Myself, Tammy, and especially Tony have worked very hard over the months and years to morph this show into something that is worth your guys' time to listen to, and you have responded. We recently surpassed the 10,000 downloads a month milestone, and it was only because of you guys, the listeners. We are growing at a near exponential rate, month after month, and in fact, we have maintained an average 100% growth year over year since the show's inception. That is unheard of in this industry. We've left that 10,000 downloads a month number in the dust, and if you're thinking only 10,000 a month, well, we agree with you. Based on (laughs) decades of experience in radio and TV and podcasting, well, we thought we'd be well over 100,000 downloads a month by now. And that's when we remembered we're not experts in radio, TV, or broadcasting. But despite our growth, only 36% of the population has ever listened to at least one episode of a podcast. And that's any podcast at all, ever. With that low percentage, chances are very good that your Jeep buddies, yes, your friends, you know the ones I'm talking about, that have never listened to the Jeep Talk Show. I know, it's a shame. That's where you guys come in. We've asked for your help in supporting the show, giving you options of monthly subscription donations or by shopping through jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon to show your financial support. Now we're going to ask you for one more favor. If you get any degree of entertainment, enjoyment, or useful advice from the show, help show some gratitude by getting a friend to subscribe to the show or at least tell them about it every day at like 3 a.m. I'm sure they'll thank you in a very special way. No, but seriously, guys, make sure all your Jeep buddies and the guys you wheel with are subscribed to the Jeep Talk Show. With your help, we can hit that 100,000 downloads a month number, bringing us one step closer to world dominant. I mean, <clears throat> making podcast history. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Don't let them know. Right, guys, ordinarily, we'd lead off the show with Jeep news from around the nation and around the world, where there's one story with global impact that we just had to share. Something brand new that will complement your Jeep lifestyle and become a fixture in every Jeeper's household. Something that we're sure you won't be able to live without. What is this life-changing new Jeep thing, and when will you be able to get your hands on it? I will sum it up in one word. Soon. Is it purple? Here's the the gist (laughs) of it all. The Jeep Talk Show is receiving so many viewer questions week after week, that we just can't keep up with all of them. We don't want to discourage anyone from calling our voicemail line or emailing us questions, so... To help make sure you guys get fast, accurate, and timely responses to all of your questions that the Jeep Talk Show is getting, well, wait for it. We're setting up 
a forum. What is a forum, you might ask? Well, it is a place to share information, post questions, and get answers to the things that are holding up your build or preventing you from enjoying your Jeep. The same kind of friendly help that you receive from the Jeep Talk Show, you can expect from the Jeep Talk Forum. So make sure you are subscribed to the show to get up to the minute information as to when the Jeep Talk Forum will be ready for you and your questions. In the meantime, make sure you guys send us an email to let us know if you think we should be reporting on anything or if you have a response to any one of our stories for this week in Jeep. Just send an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Well, isn't that special? I, uh, you know, we've been wanting to tell you guys about the, the, how we're doing with the show for so long, but frankly, we were just embarrassed by the numbers. Um, it, it wasn't until recently that we heard uh, Lipson talking about uh, uh, the number of downloads. You know, if you've got X number of downloads in a 30-day period of time, uh, you're in, uh, you know, X number percent, X number percent, X number percent, and imagine our surprise when we found out we were in the top 20. Uh, just amazing because, uh, uh, I, I, like, like Josh was saying, I figured we'd be at, you know, 50,000, a hundred thousand by now, you know, <laughs> Oh, wishful thinking, I know. but seriously, guys, we are at a, a very, um, a very comfortable level as far as bragging rights go in the podcasting world, but, uh, that's not good enough. Nope. We no. do need more and, uh, we can always use more guys. I still so think that's where you come in. I still like that hundred thousand mark that, uh, that oh, you were mentioning. Nice round Josh, number, isn't, isn't it? it? It's a you good know, goal. And, and, and it's like anything, guys. We don't need this to stroke our ego. Uh, we're, we're just, we're putting a lot of effort into this. I've got people I know to do that for me. I know it's hard to yeah. tell, but we're putting a lot into this. And it's a, it's a, a huge, um, it's a great feeling to know that we're, we're talking to people. We're uh, interacting with, with you guys from uh, uh, out there, you know, whether it's our call-in line or emails. we got several of those tonight. And it's just a great feeling having that interactivity. And and I've said it before. Everybody that's in the media has said it. If it wasn't for you guys, there'd be no reason for doing this. Absolutely no reason for doing this. So, Well, I kind of like to listen to myself talk. <laughs> oh, you just said before we got on, you hate hearing yourself in your headphones. <laughs> uh, Tammy's getting used to it, though, uh, which is good. All right. Well, thank you very much for bringing uh, uh, bringing oh, yeah. us up to date on that, Josh. And we'll we'll be bringing you guys uh, future numbers in case you're curious. Uh, I think that uh, it's good. We're not trying to brag about ourselves, but we're trying to let you know that the show's doing so well because of you, because That's of the right. listeners. Now and, we can't do this without you guys. And in fact, these numbers are a direct reflection yes. of your guys's uh, your guys's willingness to help us out and. And your enjoyment of the show. So we very much appreciate it. Thank you very much for each and every download. And, and I'll just mention, if you were embarrassed to tell your friends, because they're going to say, what? What's a podcast? You know, podcasting is a big upcoming thing, as, you, as you're aware of, because you already listen to the shows and things that you want to hear, specific niche things that you can hear on podcasting. So it's the big thing coming up. Don't feel embarrassed. Tell your friends. Well, the sands of time have shifted quite a bit since the mid-1970s when we bounce over the Silver Lake sand dunes in this Jeep my awesome stepdad built. Recently, we took John Krause back to those dunes for three generations of family fun. That was great! How awesome is that? <laughs> we climbed, descended, bounced, and rainbowed our way through the afternoon. Enjoying the beauty of Lake Michigan and checking out the cool dune jeeps we encountered on this adventure. Wherever you see car parts flying from, uh, it's a good sign you should slow down. <laughs> Pop 
Papa, only 81 years young, had a blast introducing his granddaughters to jeeping the Silver Lake Sand Dunes. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house. What's up, guys? I'm Kobe. And I'm Jason. From Morgan Trail Off-Road. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show. Hey, coming up a little later in Wrangler Talk, bigger tires means a different PSI, doesn't it? I'll be interested to find out about this because uh, I just I just put max tire pressure on mine. I've been doing that for years. So this will be this will be interesting thing to find out about. All right, so let me tell you about the Jeep Talk Show. You guys are already listening to it, or you're watching us on YouTube Live. Uh, either way, if you're watching us on YouTube, we want you to know that the Jeep Talk Show is also available in audio only format. Great to listen to while commuting. <laughs> commuting, I have to change that word. Uh, commuting or while working on your Jeep. Subscribe via iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, or Stitcher. And hey, I think iHeartRadio is coming up really soon. Oh, yeah. And never miss an episode. Speaking of subscribing, you can now subscribe with your money. I know you were look, really looking forward to that. Uh, yes, you can contribute directly to the show via PayPal. Just go to the JeepTalkShow.com website and look for the little orange button that says subscribe. You can select uh, 25 cents a week up to $1. I think it's twenty-five, fifty, and and $1. Uh, that's each and every week. Your account will be charged each and every week. Cancel at any time. Even if you don't subscribe, we appreciate you taking time to listen to our show. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Oh, yes, you are. And the Jeep Talk Show is a very proud member of the 4x4 Radio Network. Just visit 4x4radionetwork.com and learn more about the 4x4 Podcast, Center Steer Podcast, and the Trail Chasers Podcast. Hey, and don't forget, Jeepers, Tony and I are going to be bringing you a second day of the Jeep Talk Show. We're going to be taking your calls live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. And if this deal wasn't sweet enough, we're going to give away a Jeep Talk Show t-shirt for the first five callers to the show. Remember, that's Tuesday night starting at 8 p.m. Central Time on August 2nd. So I need to explain to you guys uh, ahead of time. It says we're giving away a t-shirt to the first five callers. It'll be up to you guys to mail it back and forth to each other. Yeah, you got to share it. You got to share that t-shirt that we're going to send to the... (laughs) Five extra people. small. <laughs> yeah, no, we have to do extra, extra large so we can cover everybody. In fact, if we can get all five of you together in the t-shirt that, and a picture, that'd be great. <laughs> I was just looking at the wording on that. Oh, gee. All right. Anyway, enough of that. No, it's, it's five separate t-shirts. And, you know, I, <laughs> I have to admit, I have, uh, I'm so busy with things. I haven't told my wife yet. She needs to make five t-shirts. <laughs> oh, she better hurry up. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> so uh, that T-shirt that uh, that you can see that uh, Josh has, uh, my wife made that. She uh, she made that, and it's got a big uh, Jeep Talk Show logo on the back, same logo. And uh, Tammy has one too. Uh, actually, I think you've got a couple of them. One of them, of course, is purple. Yep, I have a purple and a red. Yep. Oh, very nice. You got red because, of course, that's my favorite color. Uh, oh, anyway, so let's talk I about didn't know the, that. <laughs> let's talk. About new, uh, hey, I, I, I like to share. I, you know. I don't like keeping my uh, my information under a bush. Uh, anyway, so a few weeks ago, I told Josh and Tammy to collect up their JTS listener drawings uh, of their rigs so we could have a show and tell for the future episode. 
you may remember Josh rolling his eyes and you know almost storming right, off the set. I have a whole <laughs> stack of them. You know. <laughs> well, we were going to have them for a future episode. Well, the future is now. Uh, so you guys uh, may remember the great drawing that Rob the Tune Man did for me. I'm not sure if I've actually shown this uh, on the uh, on the show before. I think maybe I, I did. Know. No, you didn't. I, I think you showed it on the show. I know that Tammy and I oh. have each seen it. Uh, okay. and I, you might have shared it on Facebook, but uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if our if our live uh, show listeners or, or viewers have seen this yet. So Rob the Tune Man did this drawing of uh, my little Jeep. Uh, it is. It does not. It's black and white. So uh, let you guys that are audio only listeners uh, uh, understand. It's a, a very nice detailed drawing, yeah. and I'm pretty sure uh, Rob put this on my tires on purpose because on on the tires it has raised letters that say off road. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, hint, hint, hint. <laughs> and hey, for our, for our podcast only listeners, uh, we'll probably be able to talk Tony into putting these uh, into these pictures in our show notes, or at least on our Facebook page, so you right. guys can check them out for yourselves. But uh, and if you're not able to do that, and you're listening to this, and you need some mental images, think about the kind of tune drawings you might see in some of the old Hot Rod magazines, uh, where uh, some mm-hmm. of the body yeah. lines are exaggerated and stuff. So, anyways, really nice work. Uh, also, too, you can uh, uh, go to YouTube.com slash Jeep Talk Show and just watch the video uh, directly. There you go. So anyway, this is uh, this is what Rob did for me. And, and, and I think because of the little dig I made uh, on uh, Tammy and uh, Josh not having their own drawings, uh, oh. Rob was kind enough to, uh, to do some drawings of, of their rigs. So, oh. so, <laughs> so here's, uh, here's Tammy's. And you may notice, uh, I'll leave the switch back real quick. You may notice... There's some like shadow on the ground or something underneath mine, or maybe that's dripping oil. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but over here on Tammy's, look at all those rocks. Yeah, See, she's out playing in the rocks. That's right. Yep. 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 So uh, beautiful drawing and even uh, uh, tire turning action there. Oh, he's got like and the stickers can, on the uh, on the on uh, the exactly. panel and stuff there. Yeah, yeah, nice you can detail. See my Jeep talk show. Sticker. And you can even yeah. see the the rear drive shaft. That might be the front drive shaft. Uh, there oh, those too. are so, long arms. No. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> lot of yeah. detail. Uh, now, Tammy, you do need to get that spare tire in, in, in enlarged because that one is too small. <laughs> you see what not I'm saying? Scale. Yeah, not it's to not scale. Yeah, it's not to scale. No, but it, <laughs> these things aren't that supposed to be that way anyway. Oh, and you know, we didn't leave out Josh. He uh, uh, he was kind enough to do a uh, a drawing of uh, your uh, rig as well. What the. That's not my Jeep. <laughs> no, what I said that? rig. <laughs> yeah. I never said Jeep. I'm, you that's, know, Josh. Josh's off road rig. I think that's what? that's supposed to be a Honda, but it kind of looks like a Malibu to me. <laughs> <sighs> you were supposed to give him your pictures. <laughs> so, so this is this is it, guy. Like, yeah, the the Honda. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's just swell. And the great thing about this is, is that it gets stolen it so much, you'll have an image to give the police the next time it's stolen. <laughs> ah, it looks like this. <laughs> God. It kind of looks futuristic. Uh, it looks like something. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, uh, he, uh, he, Rob, uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot, pal. So uh, here is a, a very nice drawing. And I think probably the most uh, articulate drawing, if you get my meaning. Uh, that uh, that Rob has done of our Jeeps, and uh, you can see quite a bit of activity there going on in this still image. That's uh, a little better. Now, the, before the show, Tammy was complaining that uh, that Josh's rocks were bigger. And Josh's <laughs> rocks are bigger than I'll mine. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is. Some good I need work, to find a, a better picture for him. 
Yeah. Of I my need to Jeep? Get on well, there's rocks. lots of them online. But you shouldn't have a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I forgot? To, mine. Yeah, I know. You know what I forgot to do? I was going to color your the, all the Jeeps and red. The put them all red. red. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Don't you dare. <laughs> it's it's the thought that counts though, isn't it? I, I'm gonna, uh, it, no, it I'm is. Gonna uh, thank, thanks, Rod. I really appreciate that. Not only the work oh, that you put awesome. in, but the uh, little bit of extra work for the uh, for the fun at my expense. Now that was uh, that was good times. <laughs> oh, and, and we have a picture of Rob uh, that I didn't uh, share with you guys on the notes. Here's Rob standing next to his YJ, and uh, Rob has uh, dropped about uh, oh gosh, I don't know, fifty, seventy five pounds. He's doing a lot of bike wow, riding, awesome. and uh, oh, wow. uh, you, if you just imagine Rob heavier in this picture you can just see how much weight he's lost well congratulations on the weight loss rob so if you guys would like to reach out to rob and and thank him uh for uh, all the fun drawings here on the show we we've thanked him uh but uh you know you might want to go there and maybe even convince him to uh, draw a uh, a drawing of your rig i'm sure he would uh be happy to do that for uh i don't know maybe a little a little little cash or something uh, it does really nice work but anyway, and that's just me talking. I don't know if he wants any money or not. So you can catch up with Rob on the Twitter. Just search for Rob the Tune Man, or you can just type in at Rob the Tune Man. Uh, oh, and and also too, you can go over to because he was in the Chevy trucks a lot prior to uh, uh, getting his Jeep, and uh, you can go over to www.chevytrucks.org/sasquatch-art. So the little oh, minus he really sign is art. talented. Look at some of that. Are you looking at those? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty cool, isn't it? They're cool. Yeah, uh, I hadn't. I, I haven't mentioned this to him, and I feel guilty because you know this, these these drawings are are so nice and and so above anything that you could uh, you know possibly ask somebody to do. Uh, I was thinking about uh, getting him to do the uh, the drawings for each show. You know, the little uh, logo that is put up for for the YouTube. Oh yeah, and uh, but I think that'd be way too much work. I so, would have to compensate him. Yeah, I'd, we'd have to like talk to him, talk about him on the Jeep. I'll, show I'll send him a, uh, uh, an autographed <laughs> picture. Should do it. He, <laughs> you, you see what I did there? I just I put I put the bug in his ear, literally, because he's listening to the show. <laughs> he's going. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing uh, that. Yeah, he's oh, do I can do crayon. that. He's going to do it in crayon <laughs> with his left hand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a purple crayon. Well, you know, the left hand is like uh, you, it's like a stranger. All right, so let's see. We can go over to, oh, yeah. This is the thing I was trying to play with earlier, and I said, that's it's not time for that. So, Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? We'd like to know from you. Just call 530-675-4102. Let us know any, any activity that you're doing, shameful or... Uh, volunteer work don't well shame shameful would be better i think shameful we can all agree shameful would be a lot more interesting just uh, give us a call uh and uh, let us know uh hell you can even send us an email at info at jeeptalkshow.com and we'll read the damn thing but we'd like to have some more stuff for for future promos so again oh, call we're us. gonna get that 
Oh, really? Actually, yeah. Uh, August 6th. That'll be uh, next weekend, yes. actually. Uh, I will be in Salem uh, at Robertson Motors for the, uh, geez, what is this? The fourth, fifth annual Salem Jeepers Summer Jam, uh, where a lot of those audio clips came from. So I will be uh, out with my microphone in people's faces once again this <laughs> summer uh, to get some more audio samples. So if you guys are in the Oregon area or within a drive to Salem, Oregon, by all means, hop over to Robertson Motors August 6th to uh, come check out a really cool Jeep show. And uh, come say hi to me and maybe even get uh, get your voice on a microphone. And I bet you Josh will force you into taking a Jeep Talk Show card, too. Yeah, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get over to some reviews. Yeah, we got an awesome email uh, here recently uh, that was sent over to info at jeeptalkshow.com. And uh, we got uh, some uh, some nice praise. Tammy, what, uh, what, what, did we, uh, what kind of letter did we get? Well, it says, kudos on the show. Hey guys, I bought my TJ 13 years ago, and though I took it out a couple of times, life quickly overcame me, and I put my hobby aside. About a month ago, I ran into your podcast, and you reminded me about why I originally bought my TJ. So now I'm making a point to get it off-road. I even have a lift and larger tires earmarked for the end of the summer, along with, most importantly, off-road time. (laughs) I've even made the first official modification to my Jeep, a auto transmission oil pan drain plug. It's as sexy as a fat man dancing the Macarena, but there it is. In unrelated news, Mrs. Sass Squashed is out on the lookout for certain off-road podcasters. If you see, and Josh, I'm looking at you since we live in the Portland, Oregon area, or brunette, driving a 2008 Saturn Vu, Vu, view. with three little view with three little squashlings in the back. Don't make <laughs> eye contact. Just back up slowly on the trail. You should be okay. Hey, keep the show coming. Sass squashed. <laughs> That's funny. I tell that you, I don't know how you guys are, but I get goosebumps whenever I see something like this because, like we were saying at the top of the show uh, in this week in Jeep about how great it is that we're having all these downloads. To hear somebody say. They listen to us, and it reminds them of why they bought a Jeep or that they bought a Jeep. That is cool. Oh, it it is goosebumps. I'm literally, I'm telling you, it's goosebumps because. uh, That's how I feel about my my blog, too, or anything that you post when you are able to inspire somebody. It's a good feeling. Yes, very much so. And and that is the the real joy of doing this uh, this podcast for you guys is, is seeing things like this. And uh, man, I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to to send the the, the note. Uh, a lot of us do this. We 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 day to day people do things for us, or maybe somebody let us in when we were signaling. Uh, and, and you know, you you don't wave, and you go, "Oh man, I should have waved." This is kind of like a wave. Uh, thank you for letting me in, and this is like a wave for thank you for listening to our show. And we really really appreciate it. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. So guys, now that I have bigger tires, I'm just not quite sure what PSI I should run when I'm on the interstate. You know, overinflation or underinflation will cause your tires to wear unevenly. And so how does one tell if their tires are properly inflated? So fellow Jeeper CPO suggested the chalk test. However, I'm just not sure I did it right. I use chalk, 
a tire gauge, and my Jeep. So first I checked all the tire pressure on all four of my tires. The three of them read 31 PSI and the rear driver was 29 PSI. Next, I chalked up a thick line across the width of my tires. All four tires were chalked and I drove back and forth on my driveway. Now my driveway is super flat because we just got it repaved. There were no cracks, bumps, or potholes. Then I inspected the chalk on the ground and on the tire. And you can check out my before and after shots of all four of my tires on my blog post from today at www.jeepmama.com. You know, I read overinflated. The overinflated tire will bulge and only the center of the line will touch the ground. If your tire is underflated, you'll see only the sides of the line since the middle of the tire is not making contact with the ground. The chalk imprints on my driveway looked pretty even to me. However, the chalk left on my tires somewhat puzzles me. Once again, you can go check out those pictures on my blog post. So now I'm wondering, should I air down a little? Am I too high of a PSI? There seems to be too much chalk left on the edges of my tires, but I'm not sure where the end of my tread, where the tread ends. And then you can notice, you'll see that in some of my pictures because some of the treads are longer than the others. So where's the true end of my tire? Another puzzle is what is my true PSI? My Jeep's internal reader, which shows on my dash, is 2 to 3 PSI higher than my digital reader that I used in the pictures. Now, I also understand there's some debate on whether this is an accurate way to gauge proper PSI. And there's a lot of variables to consider, and it depends on the width of your wheels and I guess when you're taking the tire pressure, when you're checking it. Um, and my tires are 35-inch Duratrax LT315 70R-121-1180. Now, my question is, did I do the chalk test right? What PSI should I run when I'm driving daily? And Tony and Josh, I just had a lot of questions. That's good. We like lots well, of questions. That's good. Yeah, we like questions. <laughs> Josh, let me bounce this off of you. I, sure. I was thinking of this uh, when I read this earlier in the week, and uh, I've never done the chalk test. Uh, I've, I've never owned a, pers- a, a piece of purple chalk either. Uh, Unfortunately, but- <laughs> I had to use pink. They didn't have purple. Oh, it was? I thought it was purple. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I'm a guy. It's, it, it's you, your three basic colors, you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> red, red, and red. That's exactly right. Thank you. Very nicely done. Uh, well done, Tammy. I, <laughs> well, one of those, one of those should have been point tonight. One of those should have been bright red, Tammy. <laughs> red, red, and bright red. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was thinking probably the the good thing of doing the good thing to do, and and Josh I'm bouncing this off of you. Sure. Monitor your uh, miles per gallon. See what kind of miles per gallon you're getting. Lower the tire pressure after a couple of weeks, couple of pounds, five pounds, you know, five PSI, and then continue monitoring your, your gas mileage. And I would say that whenever your gas mileage and you have to, you can't, you can't just do it for a week or or one fill up. You have to do it for several. So this is a long-term project. And then after uh, a couple of months, probably you would be able to tell if lower tire pressure was causing you higher uh, uh, ga- or sorry, lower gas mileage. So, because uh, we all know that the lower the tire pressure, the better grip that you have. And mm-hmm. I can't think of any bad reason other than maybe breaking a bead 
uh, for having lower tire pressure on the road. Now, I, I wouldn't get it down to 15 PSI or anything like that. No, 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 of course not. I wouldn't um, go below 20, let me, actually. Let me, there, there's, there's a lot of things wrong with all that. And I'm, I'm sorry, Tony, that, um, well, I, I don't want to bounce it off of you then. I'm uh, <laughs> get, get it, Josh. We never asked you. I've been told very explicitly never to correct. That's right. There. <laughs> no, uh, in, in all reality, um, you don't want to be throwing PSI to chase MPGs. Um, because what you're doing at that point is, is you're sacrificing the performance of the vehicle, your braking ability, your turning, and more importantly, the, the, the handling of the vehicle and the life of the tires um, for the sake of, what, maybe a mile per gallon? Well, no, maybe two? no, I'm talking about lowering the tire pressure and monitoring it going down. Because if, you, so, so if you wanted higher, tire, higher MPG, you would actually air it up and then you'd have less contact. That's not the so direction that's, I'm that's, talking about. Th- well, I, I'm assuming that you would go either direction, one way or the other. You don't want to constantly be dropping your tire pressure uh, just for the sake of finding what it's going to do to your miles per gallon. You know, hey, well, if I drop my tires by you know, 10 PSI, um, I only lose one mile per gallon. So why not do that? Well, for several reasons. Uh, one, it, it creates a lot more drag. Um, the, you're increasing the contact patch on cement. This is going to do several things. One, it's going to wear the tires substantially faster. So if you have a 45,000-mile tire, uh, chances are you're, well, you're not going to get that, plain and simply. Um, and if you, if you go down too low, um, well, what this is doing is it's creating a lot more drag. The engine has to work harder to make those tires rotate the same speed. Um, so you're, we're talking about wear and tear on the engine more than you really need. We're talking about sacrificing miles per gallon, uh, all for what I, I guess I'm, I, I would be missing what the, the overall, you know, goal of this would be other than just in, you know, data collection. Um, so, you know, th- changing your tire pressure to, you know, achieve different results in, in, in miles per gallon is not something I would ever recommend. Yeah. And I, I just did a bad job explaining it. I was not saying to change it to increase or decrease your mile per gallon. I was saying that uh, the the logical thing is you decrease tire pressure, you're going to increase the area of the tire on the the surface that you're on. And if you lower the driving, if you lower the PSI, you don't want to lower it too far where it starts affecting your miles per gallon. So you monitor how many what your mile per gallon is, and when it drops, that means you've gone too far. Yes. So, so um, I'm I'm saying the, use the, that as the information to know what the lowest PSI you should be, and it's kind of a I get what you're saying, and there's a lot more study and investigation you could do, but this would be kind of a cheating way of just doing it quickly to see. Okay, uh, I'm not overworking the engine. I'm not putting too much drag on the vehicle uh, because my gas mileage hasn't changed. Yeah, the bottom line is your your MPGs should never dictate what your PSI is. Your regardless of what kind of mileage you're getting out of your vehicle, your your tire pressure needs to be at a certain point, and that can't fluctuate. I mean, it can by the laws of physics, but it shouldn't. You, you shouldn't be fluctu- uh, letting it fluctuate unless you're obviously driving off road or something like that. So um, this would be pr- like a canary in a coal mine. Is this what I'm talking well, about? Yeah, it doesn't help you find time, the coal. It just tells you the, when there's bad gas. The length of this <laughs> test would would open the door for so many other things to to alter your 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 mileage, um, air temperature, um, the amount of wear on your O2 sensor, a bad tank of gas. Yeah, um, well, that's I why mean, I there's, said so, you have to there's do it. a million different factors 
that can adjust this. And we're talking about literally fractions of a mile per gallon with change in PSI. So the data that you're collecting out of this isn't going to be very accurate to begin with and isn't really going to get you anywhere when it's all said and done, other than creating a lot more work for yourself, more wear and tear on the vehicle, and possibly putting yourself at risk and you know not being able to control the vehicle the way that it should be. All right, guys. Well, you've heard what I think and you've heard what Josh think. We'd like to know what you think. I mean, uh, it just came off the top of my head. I have nothing that I've read about it. I'm just thinking that uh, if you want to uh, lower your tire pressure to see uh, if you can get a little more traction on the road, because uh, we know it works off the road, uh, you can monitor your miles per gallon, which I think you should be doing anyway. It, it allows you to know what's going on with your engine and uh, the vehicle as a whole. So we'd like to hear from you what you think about it. You can email us at info at jeeptalkshow.com and let me know if I'm crazy, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, I love learning too. Or you can call us on our voicemail line, 530-675-4102. Tammy, did you get anything out of what we were talking about? Does uh, any of it make sense to you? Somewhat. Well, we're about to go a lot more in depth with more tire talk and PSI. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. So Tammy's uh, Wrangler talk this week was talking about PSI in her Jeep and a chalk test that she did to determine whether or not she is running the right PSI for her vehicle. So we're going to go ahead and really you know, peel back the layers of this and, and getting into deep what PSI is, um, what it means for you as a Jeeper, um, or pretty much any vehicle for that matter. We need to establish the basics of tire pressure, though. The volume of air in your Jeep tire supports the weight of your Jeep. Without that, well, you'd be riding on the rims, basically. Assuming your Jeep's weight remains constant, the required volume should also be constant, no matter what tire size you are running. Now, what does change, though, is the size of the space where that volume of air is held. So, how do we measure accurately what PSI we actually have? Well, when it comes to gauges, you definitely get what you pay for. That cool little handheld one you got from Harbor Freight for like two bucks with a tire tread on it? Yeah, maybe as a last resort. Well, what about the gauge on your air compressor? I'll try again. The one on the pump that I use to air up after a day on the trail is off by a whopping 10 pounds. So, best believe I'm not reading that. What about the digital ones, you may ask? I never trust those since you can never be assured of their calibration or how much juice you have left in the batteries. Especially after a season of bouncing around the glove box, those things could be way off. Stay far away from the gas station gauges. You'll just never get an accurate reading from something like that. And the pen styles, well, those will get you in the ballpark. But out of all of these, this is the second most reliable. So what are we going to go with? We're going to go with the style that the guys on the track are running. Typically, the most, typically most race teams will have a box full of air gauges. And you can bet they're not from the dollar store. You don't have to break the bank getting one, and you really only need one good gauge. The style you're looking for has a short hose and a circular gauge. These will typically run in the $15 to $30 range. Trust me, you're going to be in that range to buy a good gauge. And they can be found at most performance auto parts retailers like Jags or Summit Racing, but be sure to check with your local parts stores and see what they can get their hands on too. My advice? Order online. Read reviews. You'll get something that will be quite accurate and last the life of your Jeep. Now, once we have a good method of measuring tire pressure, what do we do next? Well, there are four methods. You can, use, you can use these to figure out how much air pressure should be in your Jeep's tires. First off, you can read the sidewall. Find the maximum pressure that's noted on the sidewall of your Jeep tires. Start with that amount of pressure for daily driving duties on the street. This results in a poor ride quality or faster wear in the center of your tires. Make adjustments by reducing the tire pressure little by little. You can weigh your Jeep. 
You can follow the tire pressure guidelines of your tire manufacturer, but only if you know your Jeep's weight. Load up your Jeep with all of your off-road gear, and maybe even a few passengers, and take a trip to the scales. You want to record three weights. The weight of the front tires only on the scales, the weight with all four tires on the scales, and the weight with just the rear two tires on the scales. If you've weighed correctly, the front weight and the rear weight should eat roughly equal the Jeep's total weight. Divide the front weight by two to get the weight on each tire. Do the same for the rear weight. Once you have your numbers, check with the tire manufacturer to determine where your pressure should be. The other thing you can do is read the charts. For Jeeps that do not have substantial modifications other than maybe tire size, you can use the tire inflation placard and load inflation chart. These can be found on the door jam or owner's manual or even with a quick search online. Identify the recommended tire pressure for your stock tires and then find the weight the tire should hold at that pressure level. Then use the weight load and your charts to identify the recommended tire pressure for your new tires. If you need to make adjustments, use this formula. I know. I was told there'd be no math. Check it out. It's really easy. Load capacity pounds per PSI equals tight weight, tire weight rather, divided by tire pressure. Easy cheesy. And the final method is using the chalk method like Tammy did. Using the chalk method involves chalking up your tires to identify the size of the contact patch. Here's something to ponder. The contact patch is the area of the tread that actually sees contact with the ground. On a passenger car, well, the contact patch can be as small as a baseball. Try finding a very flat surface, then chalk your tires with something like the kid's sidewalk chalk. And don't worry, don't skip out here. Little Susie can go another day without turning her sidewalk into a Barbie catwalk. Once you're all chalked up, drive forwards, then backwards enough to get several rotations out of the tires. Most experts say this should be right around 50 feet or so. Okay, so now what to do with what you see. If the chalk wears only in the center, it means you're overinflated, and you'll need to adjust the air pressure down. The chalk wear is only on the outside of the tires, well, then that means you're underinflated, and you were likely going, you likely forgot to air up from the last time you were out on the trail. Seriously, five pounds of air can make all the difference in the world. Now, if your tire wear is very, no, very noticeable on just the inner edge or just the outer edge of the tire, this means you have an alignment issue. And since our Jeeps only have toe and caster adjustment, it's most likely a toe-in or a toe-out problem that needs to be addressed by an alignment shop. If you have cupping or bald spots on an otherwise normal-looking tire, then you, my friend, have some components in either the suspension or the steering that have gone bad. Same applies if you see feathering, where you'll have high and low spots diagonally across the face of the tread. This is also a sign of worn components under the Jeep. Once you have identified the problems, corrected any issues, and making any adjustments with airing up or airing down, or until the chalk is wearing evenly, that is, you'll have to repeat this process with each of your Jeep's tires. Don't forget the spare. Once you identified the right driving pressure for driving your Jeep on the street, well, you can make adjustments based on the load and type of driving you do to make sure you get the most life and enjoyment out of the tires of your Jeep. Hey, Jeepers, let me know if you guys have a tech question you would like answered here on the Jeep Talk Show. Shoot me an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com with a subject line, Tech Talk. So I was having cupping problems uh, on, on my uh, tires. Don't you guys get nervous? I'm serious. Uh, and uh, I was told, uh, I think I had already put in the uh, Synergy ball joints and all the other uh, components had been changed. Mm-hmm. I think even the, uh, the wheel bearing assemblies were, were relatively new. So uh, I was, it was recommended to me to get some uh, decent shocks for the front. And that's when I went with the, the Bill. Is it, I always ask this. Is it Bill, Bill Stein? Stein? Bill Stein. Bill Stein. So I, I went with the Bill Steins, the, the lower end ones. Uh, and uh, I was told that you will notice a rougher ride. But what it will do is uh, instead of the tire hopping, like when you're going down the highway, it'll keep them, it'll keep it down and yes. uh stop that cupping and i think i see some slight bit of unusual wear 
but by this time having having the mud trains this long i, I would have definitely seen cupping you did that traditional right. wom, 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 wom noise yeah. <laughs> from the from the mts and i'm not seeing that so uh something i've done has has made an improvement i think it's the shocks now, Tammy, I want to I want to specifically address the pictures that I saw over at JeepMama.com, and um, those the pictures that I was seeing was uh, a, a a higher amount of chalk on the outside, outside edges of of your tires. What that means is is that the center and the inside of the tire is is where most of the contact patch is, and the out the very outer edge of the tire is not seeing as much contact. Now. That's all fine and dandy for the most part. Your the, the level of 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 chalk wear that I'm seeing here is is not enough to wear. Oh my God, get into the alignment shop right away. But it is enough to wear if you didn't rotate your tires regularly, you are going to see uneven wear. Now right. this isn't an indication that you have a major issue, but it is an indication that you might be slightly out of alignment. Now I know you recently did have all the lift and and, and whatnot done. And the alignment was professionally done at a shop. But I went I, off-roading, too. Right. So, and you've been yeah. off-roading. That, unless so, you were like in a big accident, you slammed mm, your, your right. tie, uh, tie rod into a rock or something like that, I don't foresee you having any issues. However, anytime you go out and play on the rocks or a big wheeling trip, I recommend anybody who owns a Jeep and takes it off-road to have your alignment checked at least a couple times a year. I'm not going to say you do it every oil change. I'm not going to say you no. do it, you know, every other month or anything like that. But having it checked, and it doesn't cost very much. And, and honestly, a lot of places, if you have an alignment done through them, they, they warranty it, uh, guarantee it, whatever, for X amount of time. Sometimes it's a lifetime. Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes it's three years, whatever. Um, and and any time they do that, they will typically offer a free check. Um, you know, anytime you pop in, say, hey, just throw it on the rack. Give me a, you know, an indication of where I'm at. And they will do that for free. Um, double check with where you had it aligned, though, as their policies may, may, may differ. Um, but uh, I, I recommend having a good check done every so often. This at least gives you some peace of mind, knowing that, hey, I'm right in spec and I, I'm right where I need to be. So if I'm seeing anything, you know, uneven tire wear, then I, I know that I have some components that are worn or I have some other issues going on. Uh, and it's not my alignment. Um, in your case, Tammy, might be worth another check. Um, I know you recently had the work done. You've only had what yeah, one or two, I have to one or two trips out anyway. Um, have you had the Have you had the Jeep back since the lift to have everything retorqued? No. Okay, you're probably I'm, about due. I'm going to guess that you have anywhere from a from 500 to a thousand miles or more on the Jeep since you've since uh, you've had the lift done. At least 500, yeah. Uh, 500 is the mark. That's mm -hmm. what they say is, is after you do a lift, uh, any major suspension changes or something like that, um, after 500 miles, and sometimes it's even less than that, but 500 is, is the ballpark, um, you know, mean average of the road, um, is to go through and retorque everything. Uh, this is because once everything is torqued and you start moving around, especially once you get off road and whatnot, things can work their way loose a little bit. And we're only talking right. about maybe a quarter of a turn on a nut or a bolt here. So, um, it, it's not the end of the world, but things do need to be retorqued. So it might be time to head back to the shop, have them retorque everything and throw it up on the rack and have it looked at as far as the alignment goes. Um, I, I would definitely go in there armed with the pictures you have on your website saying, hey, this is why I'm here. So right. um, that, that's just, you know, good advice right there. But, uh, you know, if somebody else out there is listening here and and they have similar or or worse 
um, you know, after doing a similar test, uh, if their results are, are a lot worse, I would definitely say um, anytime you're seeing uneven tire wear or, or red flags on, on your tires, you know, as far as, oh, that doesn't look right, take it into a shop. Take it to Les Schwab, take it to America's Tire, take it to an alignment shop, whatever. Have it looked at by a professional. They know what they're looking at. They know what they're looking for. And, you know, as long as you uh, maybe stay tuned to the Jeep Talk Show, you can make sure you're not taken advantage of. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. I'm I hope, I hope that on. helps you guys out. No, it does. And I'm planning on going hopefully next week to get the oil changed. So I'll do all that kind of stuff there. Oh, very good. Very good. So, you know what, folks? Something coming up now is something that we all look forward to each and every week. And that's hearing from the mind of Nikki G. Now, I want to caution you. This isn't the normal jovial Nikki G, and he has a confession. Uh oh. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. Sorry I didn't get a chance to catch the show this week. Uh, Family and I are going on a vacation. No excuse, young man. You authorized so, uh, that. My question is, is when we're all traveling together. It's not out of state, so it's okay. A herd of Nikki G or a flock of Nikki G. <laughs> but uh, either way, uh, Clyde and Tommy, I hope you guys have a pullout couch because you guys are our tr- lodging arrangements. Oh. <laughs> and I just want to apologize for the mess and smell because uh, a gaggle of Nikki G is not a very neat thing. And uh, since I didn't catch the show, let me just... Take a guess at what I'm missing. Tony's going to brag about how he solved his overheating problem. Tammy's going to paint something purple. <laughs> and Josh is going to tell us what he ate for dinner or how his Honda got stolen again this week. Hi, <laughs> right, guys. I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. Now, you may have heard the, the phones and stuff ringing in the background. Uh, I have it on good authority that Nikki G was arrested. And that was his one phone call. His one phone call. <laughs> that he made to us. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, I didn't call in this week. Did you notice how subdued he was and his talking is like, hey guys, call in for the t-. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get a chance. To, he was he didn't want to be embarrassed by his his work coworkers <laughs> asking, "What are you doing? What are you calling about?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a big time radio show. Yeah, anyway, so there's no excuse for not listening to the show, and that goes for all of you out there. I don't care what you're doing. I ho- actually, I hope he I hope he listens to all the episodes whenever they're on the road trip, whenever they're traveling. And you know, know we love hearing wife not just much. from Nikki G, but from all of you. So be sure and call our voicemail line at 530-675-4102. Or you can jump over to our website at jeeptalkshow.com and leave us a message. Just click on the leave voicemail button on the right hand side of the screen. Hey, this is Tony. And I'm Tammy. And this is Josh. And you've reached our 24-7 voicemail line. You guys know what to do, so at the beep, leave your message. What's up, guys? This is Toby from Oregon Trail Off-Road. Today is 11, and we are currently hanging out with our friends Joe and Emily from uh, the Base Camp Trailer. They've got an adventure trailer, and we met them at Northwest Overland Rally. We're in Blackfoot, Idaho. Uh, The last week has gone really good. We've uh, covered a lot of awesome terrain. We've gotten to... Idaho, I believe, uh, uh, five days ago, four days ago, we've hit some of the gnarliest trail um, that we've done. We've been pushing our rigs. We had uh, one section that was really cool. It was an old cattle trail that uh, was basically a rock climb down and a rock climb up. And then uh, two days ago, three days ago, we made it to the foot of the Rockies, 
and we ended up uh, climbing this really gnarly mountain that had four big humps. We were riding the ridge along <laughs> along four different mountains. Uh, each side had pretty uh, pretty steep mountain edges to where had we made a mistake, we would have uh, we wouldn't have made it. So going good. We're working together well as a team. Uh, the rigs are doing good. We've had some minor uh, repairs. I had to replace some bearings on my Ford Ranger, and we had a power steering pump hose uh, blow on the 80 Series Land Cruiser. But, uh, yeah, it's really awesome, really beautiful country. Today's our last day in Blackfoot, Idaho. We kind of had a rest day the last two days, hanging out with Joe and his family. And uh, tomorrow we hit the trail again, and we will be heading towards Wyoming, going through the last of the Rockies into Wyoming, and Hitting a lot of really cool historical spots, um, some some great people that we've met along the way. So anyway, we are uh, yeah currently filming some stuff here, and uh, yeah anyway that's the update. Hope all is well, and we'll keep you guys posted. Some time down the road. Have a good one. Wow, hey, he, cool. he got that in exactly, almost exactly in the time frame. He must have had his an app on his phone. So you guys, if you'd like to keep up with uh, with the, the folks uh, doing this uh, this trail run, go over to OregonTrailOffRoad.com. And also, too, if you want to hear more about what happened uh, or what's going to happen or what's happening now, Josh has done uh, two interviews. I think it's actually in three sections. Uh, the, the first one was really long, but you can go back and look at our uh, archived catalog and uh, get caught up on what's going on with these guys doing the Oregon Trail. Yeah, these guys uh, looks like they are having a good time. I just checked out their Facebook page really quick. They're they're putting up a little bit of uh, media every so often, but uh, I imagine they are not within cell phone and data range all that often, especially as far off-road as these guys are. Uh, they are backtracking the Lewis and Clark Trail. They're doing it uh, primarily off-road, which is way cool. Mm-hmm. This is some expedition wheeling, and it sounded like they even got some rock crawling in uh, in this latest section of trail. So way cool. That was Kobe. He's uh, he's one of the team members there. And uh, looking forward to the next update, guys. Stay safe and keep the rubber side down. And I can't tell you how brave they are to be doing this in a Ford. So, I mean, I know it's just, I know it's just <laughs> one, but... <laughs> Oh, jeez, Tony. But we hopefully they won't listen to this show and they'll keep calling in the uh, the, the the weekly the promos, which we really appreciate, guys. Hey, Tony, Josh, and Tommy. It's Tim from Torrance. And um, I live here in Los Angeles, and I came across a guy, a lowrider, driving his car, and he's got it all tricked out with hydraulics, popping the left side and the right side and all four at the same time, super low, super high. And my question is for Josh, is a technology like this, uh, could it be useful for off-road uh, if you're like an off-camber situation and you're going along the side of a hill? Could you lift up the, the low side and uh, and be successful in negotiating uh, something that's on a hill like that, with that type of technology? Um, not that that's my thing, but um, those low rider guys, they, they seem to have a, a pretty good handle on how to move their car around any way they want. I'm just wondering what you guys think about that. All right, bye. All right, so um, to answer your question, yes, but there's an asterisk to that. Um, anytime you get into hydraulics, uh, you, you need several things. One, you need pumps uh, and multiple pumps for at least one pump per corner um, at, the, at the very least. You need batteries and lots of them to power those pumps because they suck a lot of juice. There's a lot of resistance mm, in hydraulic yeah. fluid. And of course, you need that hydraulic fluid. So you need a reservoir. 
So we're talking four pumps, four batteries, and a reservoir. You're not going to find a whole lot of room for that in a Wrangler. <laughs> that being said, I have wheeled out with a guy um, who's made a custom tube frame buggy. And it was a four-seater buggy. It looked like it was a like a Stinger platform with a like an extra set of seats in it. The thing was actually quite big. Um, but all he had for suspension was four hydraulic cylinders. And that was it. And he did the most amazing stuff. Now, this was a rock crawler. This obviously was not street legal. And his max speed was probably about 15 miles per hour. And that was really pushing it. Now, that being said, he was able to articulate that buggy like I've never seen before, um, going over rocks with ease that other buggies was having a, were having a hard time with. Um, it was loud. It didn't look like it was very comfortable. And again, <laughs> it was a lot of work. So adapting this to a practical application would be very, very difficult. But that being said, if you are in, if you are fabrication savvy and you have the means of doing something like a tube frame buggy where you can have the room for things like that, or maybe you're on a larger platform like a full size truck or maybe even a Jeep Cherokee uh, where you have storage room for things like pumps and batteries and reservoirs and all that other stuff, um, then you can probably get away with it. But from a practical standpoint and on your average everyday weekend warrior, um, this isn't something that you could probably adapt very easily to the existing platform. It's a lot of things to break and go wrong to, uh, with a, a setup like that. So, but it sounds like it would be fun to play with. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, but something you need to be going very slow so you could make the manual adjustments. Indeed. That's the nice thing about the suspension system. Uh, whenever you get it set up right, uh, it kind of works on its own, and all you have to do is pay attention to you know where you're steering it and the right getting the right line. Uh, now you're working a bunch of handles and making the thing bounce on the front, or maybe can it just now something for you to think thing. about is you could also do the same thing with airbags. That's true, uh, and and basically it's the exact same principle except uh, you could have air pistons or you could have airbags, um, kind of like what you see on some of the other lowriders and even on very large dump trucks. Yeah. So we apparently didn't answer all of Ron's questions last week, and and how dare us? I really appreciate shame, you. shame. <laughs> I really appreciate Ron calling back in and uh, uh, getting this uh, this this question answered. And actually, this is another one of those little uh, forays into why we're going to have the Jeep uh, Talk Forum, so that people can ask questions like this. And if if we don't answer them on the show, or they don't want to wait for the answer on the show they'll be able to go to this forum. And of course, more information on the the Jeep talk forum coming up very soon. But anyway, here's Ron. Hey guys, this is Ron in Arizona. You guys had a great show last week. I really enjoyed it. And I do appreciate you addressing my questions about the stick. I'm fully convinced that's the way we're going to go. But I don't think you really answered my question about the 3.6. I mean, has that engine proven itself? Are there listeners out there that have over 200,000, 300,000 miles? And if they do, what have you had to do to it to make the engine do that? How have you maintained it? Uh, these are some things I would like to know because I did some research and there were problems with the 3.8. But the new 3.6, I can't find anybody who knows a great deal about it. So see if you can address that for me. I would really like to know, and I'm sure thousands of other people would too. And I want to especially thank Tammy for what she said about the top. 
And that is true. I agree with her a thousand percent. And the cloth top, the rag top, however you want to, whatever generation you're from, that is a cool option. And it makes a Jeep a Jeep. However, this will be our only vehicle. It's not going to be a weekend thrasher that we have sitting in the garage during the week. I've got to drive it to work. We've got to take it to the grocery store. So we want the hard top for the noise and the security. And we want, of course, air conditioning. We live in Arizona. And we might be moving to Colorado, and in the mountains up there, it'll snow two, three feet, and it'll it'll actually hold the weight of those heavy snows. So that's why we want the hard top. Um, as far as uh, as everything else that you said, I've got two words for Tammy. Power, powder coating. <laughs> you need to find someone that's got a powder coating shop and have all of your purple accessories done with powder coat. It's so much more durable. It's worth the few bucks. It's better than a rattle can. This stuff will last forever. And by the way, if your Jeep is black and you're adding purple accessories, I think that's major cool. And the other guys don't know what they're talking about. You've got to go black and purple. That's going to be a cool-looking Jeep. Uh, I enjoy the show all the time, guys. I listen to it at night while I'm at work, and uh, you're doing a great job. I appreciate it. And I really do uh, respect your advice on that engine. I really need to know because we're going to buy a brand-new one or a 15 or a 16, one of the two. But uh, I'll be listening in, guys. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, can I um, take this? Yeah, one? take take uh, take point on this, Tammy, and then I'll chime in right after. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know a lot about engines. I'm like just very mechanically uninclined. Yes, thank you. Um, but when I was um, doing my lift, I was talking to Chuck, who works at Adams Extreme Motorsports, and he has dealt with Jeeps for over twenty years, and he says the three point six is way better than the 3.8 and it's tough and it's hard. It works very well. And that's coming from Chuck. Um, on to really quick, Josh, I'll let you talk about your thing in just a second, but on to the soft top thing. I take my Jeep to the grocery store. I take my Jeep everywhere. My Jeep is just not a weekend driver. Um, it has snow here. It does fine. The, the new air conditioning and heat and these newer Jeep Wranglers is amazing. It's been over 100 degrees here, and I am nice and cool in my Jeep. It works fine. Um, and then what did he say? Oh, powder coating. Yes, I was – some of my stuff is already powder coated purple. Some of it um, I painted myself. The diff covers, I can powder coat them if I wanted to. Um, but if you listen to the past shows, um, I decided to go with the rattle can because I will be off-roading on it, and it could be getting dings and dents, and it just would be easier to – um, not only prepared. can it, not only can it, but it will. It'll get right. gouged. So anyway, that's my reason for rattle canning the diff covers. But my other, some of my other purple stuff is powder coating. Now I put the floor over to you, Josh. <laughs> so I'm gonna just talk really quickly between the 3.6 and the 3.8. The the general consensus online in the Jeep world is the 3.6 over the 3.8. The primary reason for that, from what I have read, has been horsepower. 
Um, not yeah. so much longevity. Now, that being said, no matter how good a reputation an engine has, routine and scheduled maintenance is paramount for an engine's longevity. But even with that, you can have a lemon engine. Mm-hmm. I mean, just there's a bad apple in every bunch, right? Um, that's not the rule. It's kind of the exception. Are you going to be that guy that gets the bad engine? You know, it's a crapshoot, really. Um, that being said, I would prefer myself personally the 3.6 over the 3.8. It has a better reputation um, just in the Jeep community in general. Now, in my research over the last week or so, I was not able to find a 2015, at least in my immediate area here in the Northwest, I was not able to find a 2015 or a 2016 Jeep for that matter that has over 100,000 miles. Most of them are in the 30 to 60,000 mile range. Um, so there's not a lot. I mean, at 30,000 miles, an engine is basically just getting broken in. So is the jury still out on this? Yeah, more or less. It really is, Ron. Um, there's just not a lot of Jeeps out there that are only a couple of years old that have, you know, over a hundred thousand miles on them. That, so it's, we really just don't have the data yet to determine overall, truly what the longevity is of either of these engines. So far, all we have is pretty much what we've seen in out of the Jeep community and what people are reporting on the forums and whatnot. And in my research, it's the 3.6 over the 3.8. Pentastar engines, though, have gotten a decent reputation over the last 10 years, um, being that they are found in a lot of different vehicles from FCA. So that engine has been around and it has some decent history in it. Just in a Jeep platform, it's just the information's not there yet. So, Ron, I wish I could give you a definitive answer. I just can't at this point, and it really bugs me that I'm not able to do that for you. So, Josh, uh, bouncing this off of you, I, I know this is dangerous because of what happened last time, but... <laughs> Uh-oh. Just throw it softer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, gee, I want to say something. Uh, so, uh, Ron himself brought up the 4.0 in his last call. I don't think that the certainly not the 3.8 and not the 3.6 would hold a candle to the torque and longevity of the 4.0. I uh, so yes, I I can't disagree with you on any of those on on any of that. The the 4.0 is the end all be all of a lot of engines. It it is a tractor motor for all intents and purposes. It is a three hundred thousand mile motor easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it just plain and simply has the reputation. It has the data behind yeah. it, and there's a ton of aftermarket and OEM support for that engine still to this day. Now, Ron, I know you were talking about you pretty much have it narrowed down to a twenty fifteen or a twenty sixteen. That's fine. Um, I understand I, there's a lot of reasons to buy a new car or, or a new Jeep for that matter versus trying to find a good deal on a used one that's been mm-hmm. taken very well care of. That unto itself is going to be a lot of work um, versus just going to a dealership and getting the best deal that you can. Uh, so I would lean towards the four liter, but it doesn't sound like that's quite going to fit the bill for, for what you need. Uh, that being said, I don't want you to discount it altogether. If you have the time and the means and the willpower um, to do some research and to put up with kicking the tires a little bit and taking a few test drives, don't discount out the four liter. Yes, it's going to be in an older Jeep. Yes, it's going to have some miles on it. But you should, with some research and enough time, be able to find a good deal on one that has low miles. 
They are out there. You trust can, me. You can find a TJ with 100,000 miles on it, and you only have about 200,000 more to go. <laughs> so well, let, it's, let it's a known me. compared to an unknown. Two years ago, um, a guy I work with bought a 2003 TJ that had less than 20,000 miles on it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Very nice. So, so they are out there. These are the kind of Jeeps that, you know, maybe they were trailered behind a motorhome. Maybe they were just towed behind a motorhome. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was grandma's Jeep that just never really got a whole lot of action to it. They got it, it to play um, in for weekends yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. So they, they are out there, Ron. You just got to you just gotta, gotta, kind of, um, you know, do your homework and, uh, and you just got to search a little bit, man. So I'm sorry I don't have better information for you. But I was hoping at least to point you in the right direction. I uh, I think I, th- I think I mentioned this last time. The journal sizes uh, for the increased horsepower for the 3.6, uh, the journal sizes for the crank were too small to handle the additional horsepower, so they were causing bearing wear, uh, oil use, and engine failure. Um, I think that um, it was a 2008 that I was told about that had uh, 100 right at 100 120,000 miles on it. And it had to be taken back to the dealership and the engine replaced under warranty. So um, I, I kind of got wind of this and I was really disappointed because uh, if something should happen to my Jeep, my only alternatives really would be to go find a, another Cherokee or uh, a, a TJ Wrangler with a 4.0 in it. And uh, I didn't like the idea that there's no other Jeeps out there that I could buy and feel comfortable with that I was you know, do you really want to do all that work to your Jeep and then you have to get rid of it after a hundred thousand miles? I mean, it takes a long time to build a Jeep unless you're sitting on a lot of funds. But anyway, uh, you should get exactly what you want to get. And if you want to get a, uh, a JK or a JKU with a hard top, that's exactly what you should get. Uh, I personally, if I was going to get a JKU, I would get it with a soft top. My wife, I didn't think would like the noise. The noise is not a problem. Uh, the uh, the heat is not a problem in South Texas during the summer. That uh, TJ air conditioner works perfectly fine. It's amazing. Yeah, Jeep Jeep ACs are usually pretty good. Now the heat, I don't know. It doesn't ever get that cold here. Uh, snow, yeah, heat, I, I can I can attest to the heat. They work just as well as the AC. Yeah, yeah. the snow, I don't know, but Tammy has experience with that on, on with her factory soft top. Now I will say I have a garage. So it's not like it's sitting out in the mm-hmm. snow mm-hmm. when it snows. Um, and if you're driving it when it snows, that's really not an issue. Right. Um, but so I'm, I'm just very pro soft top. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's, to me, is the only well, way to go. Ron, Ron but, listed his reasons for, for listing, uh, leaning towards a hard top. And, and, and I, right. I absolutely respect all those yeah, as right, well. Exactly. And, and like, uh, like Tony said, Ron, um, if you are leaning one direction yourself, Go, go with what is going to make you happy. Yeah, exactly. After all, yeah. you are the one that has to drive this day in and day out. And make the so regardless of what we think about a four liter engine, um, if you're not comfortable driving that Jeep, uh, if it doesn't feel right to you, doesn't look right to you, that's not the Jeep for you, man. It, so, uh, uh, it'll sense it too. <laughs> it'll know what you're <laughs> they, thinking. They know. Yes. They know. <laughs> now, Ron, so um, also what I've heard, it, it, mm-hmm. especially if you're leaning towards a 2015, 2016, I, I have heard in the Jeep community that the 2011, 2012 years were um, not the best years for the Pentastar engines. Um, so if you are going to lean towards that, either 3.6 or 3.8, um, keep it within a couple years old and you should be just fine. I think the consensus is do not get a 3.8. If you're going get, to get one yeah. of the three points, get a 3.6. And I will say... Yeah. 
personally, if I wasn't clear last week, personally, I would find a used TJ and the best condition I could get with a 4.0 liter engine in it because I want that thing to last for a long time. And the good thing about doing that is in say, I don't know, 10 years when it's time to get another one, you can get a JKU with a 3.6 and you'll know what kind of longevity those engines have by then. So it's just me. I would, I would not get a, a new unknown right now. Uh, that, that's just my advice to you. I love my Jeep. Amazon.com and the Jeep Talk Show present You Bought What? what? All right. Well, you guys know what this is. This is what you've been buying at Amazon.com. We get a little list every day, every week, and uh, we can see what – it's almost like Santa Claus. We we know when you're awake. We know what you've been buying, whether you've been naughty or nice. And, uh, boy, we love it when you're naughty because it makes it a lot more fun. And what happens is when you remember to go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon before making your Amazon purchases, the Jeep Talk Show gets a few pennies, a few cents, uh, a, a little throwdown change, and it adds up as more of you do it. So uh, we're going to see what you bought. We don't know who it was that bought this stuff. Uh, we really don't. Uh, but we do see what it is, and we have a little fun with it in this section. So, Tammy, what's the first thing that somebody bought? Now, this is in the tools and hardware section, although I think it should be more in the home section, but whatever. Anyway, mm -hmm. so the third generation Nest Learning Thermostat for $248.94 plus free shipping works with Alexa. Wow, for voice control. 24-bit color LCD screen. The Nest Learning Thermostat works with 95% of the 24V Heating and cooling systems, including gas, electric, forced air, heat pump, radiant, oil, hot water, solar, and geothermal. Built-in Wi-Fi and Bluetooth can be used with your phone or tablet with iOS 8 or later or Android 4 or later. Latest version of Safari, Chrome, Firefox, Internet Explorer, Mac OS, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> or later and Windows 7 or later. Go to the website and read it. Anyway, it's... Ever-learning artificial intelligence will surely cause the uprising of machines and enslave humanity for all time. Mm -hmm. uh, no, just kidding. Batteries not included. Actually, we have this. It's kind of cool. Oh, cool. I got yeah. the, uh, the Echo Bee. They had it on sale at Amazon for like uh, 200 bucks, and I, I went that direction instead of the Nest. I have a girlfriend who's always cold. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> so I wish I was that way. <laughs> Me too. Honestly, especially right now, my studio is about 100 degrees. So, uh, but yeah, you can go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon and uh, you can buy a Nest thermostat over there or one of those uh, Ecobees. Ecobees? Ecobees. I think it's Ecobees. Anyway, so uh, this is a uh, Western Digital 4 terabyte MyBook Duo desktop RAID external hard drive. My God. God, what a mouthful. It was $229.99 with free shipping. It's a two-bay, four-terabyte uh, personal cloud storage. Includes two-times two-terabyte HDD, which is hard disk drive. Don't uh, get too excited out there. You, uh, this is user-selectable RAID 0, RAID 1, or JBOD. Uh, lets you configure the drive for speed. Default setting is RAID 0, which is mirroring. Uh, and uh, data protection, uh, drive mirroring uh, RAID 1 or uh, operate as two independent drives, JBOD. JBOD is just a bunch of disks, guys. Computer people are funny. Uh, high capacity external storage and backup, ultra fast, optimized data uh, transfer speeds, complete backup solution, secu uh, secure from your data, uh, secure your data from loss. 
integrated backup software, cloud backup uh, with Dropbox system level backup. If it's cloud people, it's probably evil and bad. Anyway, but the, the drives itself aren't. Just don't do the cloud part. Anyway, you can get this over at jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon, and it will take you straight over to Amazon. You just do a little search for the uh, uh, WD4TB Mild du- Book Duo, and you'll be able to find that item and make the purchase. And from the patio, lawn, and garden section, we have the out sunny 12 foot by 12 foot outdoor sunshade sale canopy for a whopping $24.95 and free shipping. Square shaped sunshade offers an ideal way to co- uh, create cover and protection from the elements. High density 185 GSM fabric blocks up to 90% of UV to reduce overall temperature. Comes with 301 stainless steel D rings on each corner and four 8.2 foot nylon ropes for quick and easy installation. Easy transportation and storage creates a cooling effect by lowering the temperature beneath it by up to 6.5 degrees. Zombie-proof fabric retains strength and shape even while under attack, and with the right bungee cords can create one hell of a water balloon launcher. (laughs) Remember, guys, you can get this item and all of the items that you hear on Amazon You Bought What over at jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. Use that same link to help support the show. Zombie bacon. We just found out what you bought. Oh my god, I just can't believe that made it on the list. Alrighty, it's time for a little campfire side chat. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought the... (laughs) Well, no, never mind. Uh, (laughs) I'm so glad you brought the portable AC. (laughs) The the AC was a great... And the sound effects with the fire, that's perfect. I wish I had a portable AC in this room. We need one. Well, I, know, hey guys, I feel so bad um, for you. You may remember me talking uh, last week a little bit about some oil pressure uh, stuff that I'm going through right now. And uh, I recently did an oil uh, oil pump swap on my 4-liter in the 99XJ. And uh, although that is a relatively easy job, it was time-consuming. Sure. Um, and even though I had been in there before, it rent, went relatively quick, all things considered. And I had done some prep ahead of time. But... Um, it's always the torquing of the bolts that takes the longest. I probably spent as much time uh, torquing the bolts in the oil pan uh, as I did probably the whole process. Um, but that being said, uh, I do have oil pressure now, but only kind of. Um, I, I have oil pressure where I didn't before, meaning I can see oil pumping very nicely in the valve train uh, right where it should be. However, the reading in my dash is still the same. So it looks as if I only have five PSI and it doesn't change. Um, I know that uh, it, that's not the case uh, because I didn't have oil pumping very well in the valve train before I did this, and now I do. Uh, and yet my oil gauge is reading the exact same as what it was before. Does that mean I, I had a, a good pump before? No, I most certainly did not. Um, so what is going on? What I believe is happening is uh, a, a miscommunication. What we have here is a <laughs> failure to communicate. <laughs> Basically, um, the oil pressure sending unit in the late model um, Jeep Cherokee is a, a five-volt system. Uh, it is a f- uh, four-wire or three-wire crap. I can't remember now. Um, uh, anyways, it, it, uh, it's basically a variable resistor. We talked about this last week and what it does and how it works and everything. Um, what is happening in mine, I think, is the resistance level is not the way, not where it should be. And so the voltage coming across that sensor is, is getting dumbed down quite a bit. Uh, I have heard many rumors that, especially the 4 liters, don't like aftermarket sensors. Uh, and this is, it's a, it's a, 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 Borg, a Berg Warner, a Warner Borg. Anyways, um, they make a lot of aftermarket parts. 
ordinarily very reliable, and I'm sure there's absolutely nothing wrong with this oil pressure switch. I've heard stories of guys having to go back to the parts store three or four times to get a different oil pressure switch before they finally got an aftermarket one that worked. I am not going to bother with all that nonsense, no. even though I've got an, uh, several parts stores just within a couple-minute drive of me. I'm just going to go to the dealership, fork out the big bucks, and get an OEM sensor because I know that it's going to work. I am fairly certain that that is my problem. How do I verify that? Well, I could do my own bench test on that oil, on that pressure, uh, oil pressure sending unit myself with an oscilloscope and a, and a variable uh, voltage uh, power supply and all that stuff. I'm not going to bother with all that. Um, I'm just going to throw us throw money at the problem basically because essentially I've done everything else. I've done all of the testing. I've verified that the gauge is good. I've verified that I have oil pressure. Um, the only thing that it can be left is either the computer or the sensor itself. And uh, I've already I have a, a spare ECU from a '98 that I put in there, and I have the exact same problem. So um, it's leading me to believe all my troubleshooting is telling me that I have a bad sensor or bearing clearance. How dare you? But it could be that. Just want to make sure that no, people it, understand. It, Tony, that it's Tony's absolutely right, guys. It can be the fact that my engine is just plain and simply tired, and that the the clearances in the bearing journals are are have exceeded the OEM specifications. And what that means is there's not enough back pressure. Imagine like you know throwing a four inch exhaust on your four cylinder. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, there's not enough pressure to build up against to get that get the you know that 49 psi that i need at you know driving speed so um is that is that a real possibility absolutely um but i am going to spend 75 dollars and keep my fingers crossed and hope that it's not i think it'd be strange that that was the case because you know when you started it uh, after having it uh, not torn down but a lot of stuff off of it you started it up you didn't have this oil pressure problem and then all, all of a sudden, one day it just happened. It wasn't like you were drag racing and then this happened. It wasn't like you were off-road and four-wheel low and you redlined it and this started happening. It just this started, I mean, just out of the blue with nothing exactly, nothing uh, unusual happening. And also, too, you've, I, I remember you saying you've had this issue before. Uh, you've like yeah, this put is, I'm on my 75. Oil, yeah. <laughs> I'm on my fourth oil pressure sending unit since I've owned the Jeep in what is it seven eight nine wow nine, whatever. yeah that's a lot. Um, so that's a lot. yeah th this is this is a common uh, not a common this is a problem that i've faced before so um and every time i've gone with an aftermarket sensor and lo and behold a year later i've got to swap it out again and it's taken care of the problem before so you know what is the underlying problem you know that i don't know obviously i did have a bad pump before um and now i'm fairly certain i've got a bad sending well you say again. You say obviously, and that's based on uh, you visually seeing the amount of oil coming out of the uh, push rods at the uh, at the top of the engine, top of the engine. Right, and if I've got oil pressure there, then I've got it where I need it. Yeah, I mean you're certainly not hearing any any noise. From no, the I don't. I don't have piston slap. There's not any noise coming from the bottom or the top of the engine for that matter. I do have a little bit of tappet noise coming from the valves, but again, it's a 250,000 mile motor. I mean, well, it's it's they're noisy. Thirty some odd thousand. So. You know, it's <laughs> the, and it is. It's a tractor motor. Yeah, the four point are a little a little noisy. So, um, but uh, well, anyway, I, I hope the best for you. I hope it is Thanks, a, a sending unit. I, I hate seeing uh, engine problems, especially uh, what is what do you got? Two twenty, two hundred twenty thousand on it. Is that what is that uh, about somewhere right? between two hundred and thirty and wow. two hundred and fifty? I haven't checked out the odometer in a while. Wow. Yeah. 
Have you thought about just letting letting it sit and run? I mean, I wouldn't walk off away from it. I would just sit there and let it run and, and get to operating temperature and see if that oil pressure doesn't change. Oh, if, I, if it's a blockage I or something. Oh, okay. I, I did. And I even, um, uh, before I even did any of this, I took off the sending unit, took off the elbow off of the block, cleaned okay. the passage, even yeah. though it didn't need it. It was, it was crystal clear. Um, and, uh, and reinstalled that. Um, I, I, I have no blockages as far as what the uh, sending unit is. Right. I was thinking of something, uh, uh, maybe leading up to it. Uh, oh, the screen, the tube in the screen. Did did you replace that or use the old one? Uh, I used the old one because uh, the screen was not bent, damaged, torn, or anything like that, and the tube was free and clear and fit very snugly into um, into the new pump. So okay. I, I felt uh, there was no no reason for me to replace it. So that's a was that a melling? Uh, pump that you got it was a melling pump yes and i did not go with the uh with the high capacity yeah. or, or the the larger um uh the higher pressure pump no. and the reason why is because i didn't really feel like modifying my oil pan uh which is something that you will have to do in a four liter engine if you go with the high volume pump i know it sounds like performance i know it sounds hey more oil pressure better for the engine right well not necessarily uh so it, it, it's not something that 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 the four liter needs Mm-mm. and nor is it especially unless you're going with a stroker engine unless you have serious upgrades to cam pistons bottom end top end the whole nine yards you plain and simply just don't need the extra volume so um it's not worth the modifications that you're going to have to do to your oil pan in order to fit it yeah so now i'm glad you didn't do that all right tammy tell us what you've done or haven't done Fess up well i see i see the little question have I painted my diff covers yet? No. It's she, been she's talking too, about the show notes. It's too dang hot. <laughs> it's so muggy here. I mean, you can't even be outside for like five minutes and and you're Ugh. just dripping in sweat. So No thanks. Yeah, I um, still have to cut my ruby rails, paint my diff covers, and install my new LED headlights. Slacker. I know. But I did yesterday. I was out. Last night from about 8 to 8.30 at night, and I was drenching wet because it was so Mm -hmm. hot out. But anyway, I redid my storage in the back, and I added another Molly back seat panel like you got, Tony. Um, But I put mine in my rear seat, so it's in the trunk. So anyway, that's going to be my next Jeep Mama review. So that's oh, okay. pretty much all I've done. So, And I still have to go buy my purple spray paint. So, uh, gee, there was something I was going to say, something that uh, Ron had said about, um, oh, security. I remember uh, my, uh, my wife was concerned about security on her TJ because there's really no place to lock anything up in the TJ. The center console is just plastic. Uh, the, the soft top is soft. Uh, which makes it easy to get into. Uh, so there was a couple of choices. One was putting like a little tray underneath uh, one of the, either the passenger or driver seat that you could slide out and lock up. It just bolted to the, you know, the, I think the chair, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, the driver's seat would actually bolt down to it. So you could still get to it if, if you really want to get it out of there. But the thing I went with, I think it was the uh, best top has a uh, metal, it's like a um, three-sided box. So you're using the tailgate as the fourth side of the box. So it just fits in there. Uh, uh, it bolts down to the, uh, and the bolts are actually on the inside of the, the secured area. So uh, basically uh, she has a place 
where she just opens up the tailgate and she has a place where she can store her camera or her purse or whatever that she wants to. And unless you're willing to go, go at that thing with a, a hammer and chisel, uh, you're not going to get to it anytime quickly. So it's a nice way to secure things, especially with a soft top Jeep. I forget what it's called. It was a, a 130 bucks, I think. Really easy to install. So uh, I don't know. They may make something like that for the JK. I, I, I don't have one, so I haven't researched it. But uh, Tammy, that might even be something you're interested in to uh, help secure things uh, when you're going, maybe walking someplace or going to the beach right. and you want to lock up your purse. Yeah, well, Best Top has some good stuff. Uh, Tuffy has been making stuff for, uh, well, geez, ever since the CJs. Uh, and a recent uh, interview on the show, Max Built, uh, Max Built Off Road, Max Built Fabrication. Uh, they also uh, have a ton of security uh, options for, uh, for the Jeeps as well. So um, you definitely have options out there as far as security goes if you get pigeonholed into a soft top. Well, and the new JKs, I, I, maybe the old JKs have them too, I don't know. But anyway, I have my center console locks and my glove box or glove compartment or whatever yep. you call it locks. And that's, that's and, the uh, built-in OEM security right there. Yeah. And right now, this is my purse. Oh, yeah, because of all the uh, RFID stuff and stuff and right, stuff. For those of you who uh, yeah, aren't listening to the watching the, the live show, oh, yeah. she just held up a 50-gallon drum. <laughs> yeah, no, I just have a little, I have a case for my phone and I have my credit card and my ID and my phone. Do you I guys carry, carry a purse anymore. Do you guys carry cash? I've seen people paying with rarely. cash and check and no, I don't understand rarely. it. I, I rarely have any cash on me. I don't know. It's just everything's electronic. I mean, if you're a drug dealer and you got a lot of cash on you, I understand. But of course, now I'm de 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 degrading everybody that yeah. pays with cash. <laughs> you know, back back when I was um, DJing a lot, uh, I would have oh, stacks yeah. of cash on me because I'd be getting paid cash almost on a daily basis. Uh, and so I'd you know hold off for a week and then I'd just go into the bank and, and make my deposit. Um, but yeah, so I would have a fair amount of. A did, large amount of low dollar bills at home. <laughs> did they did they literally pass it to you under the table uh, whenever they were giving you the cash? <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I always got uh, odd uh, odd looks from the bank tellers that I'd come in with, um, you know, because I I bundle it up in, in you know batches of twenty five or whatever, and uh, so I just walk in with a bunch of bundled up ones, and they would look at me all weird. Say, uh, hey baby, would you like a dance? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Just working at the strip club. After don't, hours. don't mind the sweat. It's still good cash. <laughs> what is that? Talcum so, powder? Uh, so let me tell you, I think I know what the popping noise on my Jeep is. Yeah, you've been talking about that for at least a couple few weeks now. You've got this mystery noise from underneath the Jeep, and uh, you might have it narrowed down, it sounds like. It's a, it's a loud popping noise, like if you go over something uneven or just when I'm backing out of the garage, just that little half-inch drop or maybe inch drop off the yep. – uh, the, the, the main, uh, concrete pl uh, uh, platform onto the uh, driveway, I think it is due to the, uh, overheating of my engine. No, I'm just kidding. I was oh, just freaking God, you guys out. I was going to go. I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, right. Good night. <laughs> Take the cans off. I'm I logging know. off. So I noticed, it. I noticed that whenever, uh, I broke a bolt on, uh, one of my sway bar disconnects that, uh, I needed to adjust the sway bar, uh, end links, the disconnects. Uh, because they were under a lot of strain, uh, mm -hmm. they were they just weren't adjusted properly. It probably was yeah, whenever I changed the uh, probably when I changed the the height of the of the Jeep, and that the sway bar disconnect should have been adjusted at that time. 
Yeah. So, so it literally popped one of the bolts at the top. So I, I took the time to adjust them. And I noticed that on these JC, um, uh, I'm sorry, not JC, uh, RC, Rough Country uh, Sway Bar Disconnects, I like them because the, they swing up out of the way. You yeah. don't have to pull them off there and they get lost and blah, 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 blah. Uh, the, uh, the little ball joint type thing is loose. Oh. And I okay. think what happened, and that's the part at the top where it connects to the sway bar. And right. I think what happened is, is that when I took off the pressure <laughs> from the sway bar with those, after adjusting the, uh, the disconnects, it, it now can move around. Whereas before it was under pressure and wouldn't move. Uh, and so that popping noise is the little, it's it, to me, it's like a 75 year old that needs a hip replacement. If you, if you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that little ball that goes in the little opening. So I, I, I just need to replace them. I just haven't been wanting to spend the 65 bucks for something else that's going to do exactly the same thing. And the only other ones that I've seen out there that I like that have the similar type of design are the JK, uh, JKS sway bar disconnects. Yeah, the JKS quicker oh, disconnects are, so are, nice. are the way to go. I, I like those. I made my own disconnects just because but, I, you know, I, I like doing that kind of stuff. But uh, And I think I was into it for under $40. Yeah, but the, um, those JKSs are like 180 bucks. Yeah, they are. Sway bar uh, disconnects. Give me no, a stinking no, no, no. break. You're both, both got it wrong. Oh, yeah. You're gonna find out when you're when you're fixing yours. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's hear it. You just need to go trade it in for a Rubicon. Ah, there it button. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. There's. Uh, you know, uh, Tony. The other option, which you which you may not even know about, would be the um, the the Curie uh, Curie Anti Rock. Uh, they make uh, the anti-rock kit for the uh, for the XJs, um, and then you don't ever have to really worry about disconnecting uh, because it's um, it's permanently connected and it articulates very well. What is it? Uh, bungee cords? No, no, no. It uh, uh, t- take a look at it, um, and and you'll you'll be able to tell it. It basically has a a single connecting rod um, that pivots actually, and uh, it there's. You have these two arms that come out, so it actually creates an extra joint, uh, essentially in the um, uh, in the, in the system, mm-hmm. and it still gives you the ability to control the sway of the vehicle, but also articulate off road. So it's the best of both worlds. So what was it called again? It's called uh, the the Curry Anti Rock. Anti Rock. Okay. You know, I've heard that before somewhere. You'll see it out on the trail. I, I guarantee you, out at Roush Creek, one out of every ten jeeps is going to have that that system. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I was not aware of that. It looks like the, and it is a pain in the butt whenever you're disconnecting the, uh, uh, the sway bar disconnects because you need to be back on level ground and you could get the damn pin in and you have to carry a rubber mallet. And And hey, here's a, here's a quick tip for you guys out there with sway bars and you're, and you're wondering after Tony's, um, uh, little dissertation here, if whether or not yours are adjusted properly, the top of that sway bar itself should be level with the ground. And your your disconnects should not be very difficult um, to put on and off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they are adjusted the exact same length, and one is hard to put on and one is not very hard to put on, that means you've got a worn spring, and you uh, probably could benefit from the adjustable coilover spacers to dial that front end back to square. Of course, you can always just adjust the uh, the uh, the one that's hard to put on and take care of it that way too. I don't think the sway bar is that critical as far as uh, it, the the idea is that it's just connecting both uh, halves of the uh, the axle together, and as long as one side moves with the other, uh, you don't have to be dead on 
eighth of an inch. No, uh, no, it's it's not. Uh, yeah, if you're off a, a quarter of an inch or something like that, it's it's not going to be the end of the world. It's just be a little more difficult to, to take on and off, and and you might feel a little bit different going around the left corner than you do a right corner. But it's not. Again, it might be barely city or panso meter uh, to determine that. But, yeah. Uh, I, look, I've been driving without any sway bars for the better part of three years. Bragger. I don't like it. <laughs> I definitely don't. Especially oh, that's with because you went. The, yeah, that's when you went to that 47 steering. ton steering. Yeah, you had, you yeah. lost that. Okay. It's, uh, the, I've got a lot of float. So Isn't it uh, weird? It just feels weird. Yeah. It does. It, you get, I mean, you get used to it to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's like, geez, you know, I can only imagine what the people behind me are, are thinking. Guys, is this guy drunk? <laughs> So uh-huh. all over the place. So somebody put up a picture on Facebook as, as, as people do. And they were, they were showing a highway, a four lane highway. And they said, okay, for the last time, people, this lane is for this, this lane is for this, this lane's yeah. for this, this is, you know, this is for, uh, accelerating and, uh, you know, passing people. And, uh, and that was all fine and good. It was a jeeper that put it up and I, I put on there, uh, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're driving a lifted Jeep on a windy day, then pick any two lanes. that's yeah that's pretty close (laughs) and that's sway bar or not so yeah anyway jeeps are a lot of fun they uh, they have personalities so to speak so anyway i hope you guys enjoyed that Uh, we always enjoy talking about our our jeeps and stuff on the uh, the campfire segment but now it's time to get over to wheeling where Yes, we're going to talk about what events are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. We have the Toledo Jeep Fest coming up August 13th. It's just around the corner in downtown Toledo, Ohio. For more information, head to facebook.com slash Toledo Jeep Fest. Guys, this is the home of the Jeep. This is one you don't want to miss out on. Uh, also coming up uh, August 12th through the 14th, the 8th annual Topless for Tatas. I believe registration is closed for this, uh, but if you still want to be a spectator, I think you can get out yeah. there and enjoy some good off-roading. Happening at Roush Creek Off-Roading Park, Pine Grove, Pennsylvania, August 12th through the 14th. For more information, head to toplessfortatas.com. Also have the uh, 36 Hours of Uwari's. BF Goodrich is sponsoring this one August 11th through the 14th in Uwari, North Carolina. Uh, for more information, head to 36uari.com. That's 36uwharrie.com. And, of course, the Day of Dirt Adventure, Saturday, August 6th, right around the corner as you are listening to this podcast. That will be the next coming weekend. Actually, that's what this good. Yeah, week from uh, this coming Saturday. Oklahoma Backcountry. Uh, you guys don't want to miss out on this. Day of Dirt Adventure's back road tour of Oklahoma's forgotten history. Last year, there were over 100 Jeeps in attendance. So interested parties can check it out on Facebook and contact John there for more information as well. Once again, August 6th, Day of Dirt Adventure. Don't want to miss out. And of course, let us know about your event, club run, or fundraiser. Just send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com and let us know what your event, what your club's event is uh, is happening and uh, and when, of course. So give me all the particulars and we will get the word out. Hey, and you guys need to subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, I know you hear this all the time, but did you know it can take up to four days for your favorite podcast episode to show up on Apple iTunes? It's true iTunes is a great free service and we appreciate appreciate Apple for all their hard work, but we want our listeners to get JTS as quickly as possible. That's why we are recommending that all of you uh, iTunes users subscribe to our podcast. No multi-day delay. You get the newest episode much quicker. So just open up iTunes, search for the Jeep Talk Show and hit that subscribe button and never miss a great, funny, informative podcast. And don't forget to go over to youtube.com slash Jeep Talk Show and subscribe there. For every 100 subscribers we get on YouTube, we get a cookie! Cookie! 
Hey, and if you want to join the Jeep Talk Show team, we're looking for a volunteer to manage our vast social media presence on the web. You can be the Jeep Talk Show's social media voice. Send an email to info at Jeep Talk Show to find out more. That's it for this week, guys. Make sure you tune in each and every week. We are broadcasting live on JeepTalkShow.com as well as YouTube every Thursday, 10 p.m. Central. And don't forget about the bonus show now happening every Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Call in and you get to share a T-shirt. <laughs> so uh, you guys have a great Jeep week. We'll see you next time. See Bye-bye. See you later.